Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens. And this is Sana Amanat. So March means Women's History Month. This year, we decided to sort of highlight one of the amazing women that's been working here at Marvel for 25 plus years, which is kind of epic to think about. Yeah, that's like a whole human person, right? Like with a job. It could be like two human people. Yeah. But I remember, so my first job here at Marvel officially, besides my internship, was I did data entry for the licensing department. That sounds terrible. It was not exciting. It paid me monies. But I remember being like, oh, there's a woman who works here. Oh, she looks pretty fierce. And back then, they used to still have like the prototype toys and stuff in the toy biz section, mm-hmm. which I thought was amazing. And over the years, I, you know, of course, got to meet Joanne eventually. And she continues to be this fierce woman. I mean, I remember being like, she's a VP. And now she's an SVP now. So Joanne McLaughlin, SVP, she is awesome. And I learned a lot from her in terms of the product development process, how to work with licensees, and really how to make our content tangible, like take it into the rest of the world and have our fans interact with it in a real way. But I really feel like the victory day for me and Joanne was when she saw me come in and we had been seeing each other a bunch of times here and there, but she saw me come into the meeting room and she's like, Sana, you're here? She's like... Oh my God, I just think you're so great. You're so cute. <laughs> I was so happy. And I was like, Joanne thinks I'm cute. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like in my 30s and I just like strive for a woman in power to call me cute. And uh, she has had her hands in so many different kinds of toys over the years across the company. Just the little things that you don't think about when making an action figure, when making a doll, and making the web shooters. Like there's so many elements to it that Joanne's aware of. So I'm glad we got to talk to her. It was like a year or two in the yeah, making. Yeah, she was avoiding us. Yes. But I mean, we nabbed her. We did. It was like all the pieces clicked in together. And, you know, I think the one thing that I really wanted to talk to her was about, it's like, you know, when I first started working at Marvel, no one knew really what Marvel was. No one knew who Spider-Man was. No one really knew. I would have to be like, Marvel Comics, they make comics. And so she's seen this the boom and the world change and evolve and sort of just like someone's perspective on that. Well, you know what I love about it? There is this idea when you are a woman in a position of power, especially when you're a female executive, as you get kind of higher and higher through the ranks, is like, okay, you got to be tough. So you got to like make sure you know how to navigate men and men's egos and all this stuff. But then a lot of people assume that a woman in a position of power has to be like a B word. You know, that doesn't need to be the case. And I think Joanne is someone who's just like, she's so even-tempered. She's got a great personality. She gets stuff done and she's tough without sort of needing to exemplify this stereotype of what a tough top female executive is, right? Like, she's just a regular human being who's like who's a mom and who's a great daughter and she's she's a wife and she's got all this these layers to her. And I love that she's an unexpected executive. So with that... Let's go to our very fun interview with Joanne McLaughlin. We have Joanne McLaughlin here, who is SVP of Global Merchandising and Product Development. Did I get that right? You did. Close. For oh my Marvel. God. Yep. For Marvel. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited because we've been trying to get Joanne on the podcast for 
about a year at least. Yeah, I've definitely been sending emails chasing yeah. you down. Yes, you have. You finally <laughs> got it to happen. And she's been dodging us, and now she's mm-hmm. finally here, which we're very excited about because I'm I think shy. it's well, it's Women's History Month. Okay, it's Women's History Month right now, and talk about the history of women in comics, women at Marvel, and you're sort of you know you're a big part of that. And no one really knows all of the incredible work that you've been doing over the last few years. So this is a special moment because you've really changed the way people interact with Marvel product and Marvel as a, as a brand. So with that in mind, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. It's <laughs> my pleasure to be here. Okay, what is that? It's a beautiful title. Very big, important title. What it is, does, isn't it? Well, yes, it yeah. really is. Congratulations yeah. for being you. a senior woman at Thank Marvel. You. Well, I mean, at its core, really what my team is responsible for is working with our licensees to apply our IP in the best possible manner to their product, whatever type of product it is, right? So we can give them guidance on features based on the character's powers, or we could give them guidance on character selection, you know, if they're going to do a number of characters, you know, so based on, you know, the knowledge that we have, and, you know, our inside scoop we get here from people like yourselves, you know, we're, we're able to guide our licensees in the right direction. And the global part of it is really because a lot of our licensees are global. When you think about Hasbro and Lego and the Mattels of the world, when we sign them on, they are global partners, right? right? So, you know, it's really managing a line that works for all regions. So we may have product that we develop with a Hasbro that is really being developed for China or for special for the EMEA because certain things that work here in the U.S. don't work in those regions, right? Right. So we take all that feedback from our regions and we work with our partners to make sure that what we offer works for those regions as well. So every Marvel toy out there that you guys have interacted with in some capacity, Joanne has been a part of. The reason that they are in your, the whole cans are in your hands is because of Joanne McLaughlin. Yeah, I would like to say that (laughs) I see all of them. It's very hard. We get thousands and thousands of submissions. Actually, I did a little research, um, and the amount of submissions we get are about 32,000 submissions a year. Wow. Yeah, now that is across all of consumer products. That's not just all toys. Right. But that's a pretty significant number, and toys is a big chunk of that. Right. So I think that, you know, we have just done a great job at maximizing should I call it a portfolio of characters? I mean, we have, what is it? Is this number as 8,500 or 6,000? No, I think it's 8,000. That's what I thought. Upwards from 8,000, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about, like, back in the day, right? Like, Marvel has changed so much. Granted, in the last 10 years alone, we've become more of, like, a global brand. But, you know, you've been around now for 25 years. What was it like when you first started working at Marvel? I mean, what were you doing before that? How did you get into the business? So my my passion has always been toys, the toy industry. So I've been in the toy industry. That's where those 30 plus years come as a a whole in toys. So 25 years, including toy biz here. So my passion was toys. I mean, I worked for, you know, a company like Matchbox. I worked Mm -hmm. for Matchbox Toys. And, you know, that just really fit me at the time. My son was little. He was perfect age for playing with cars. And my husband's a huge car fanatic. So even before working at Matchbox, I did every every car show and race. So I knew cars, like, really well. Yeah. So there I really excelled because I introduced a whole line of modern vehicles because they had a lot of old vehicles at Matchbox. And I introduced a whole line of hot trucks. 
with all the heartbeat decos, right. the pickups, the F-150s, the utility trucks were popular, but they were all being decorated with great, you know, um, custom decos. And That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. I, worked, I worked there. I worked at Child Guidance, which was a division of CBS Toys, mm-hmm. where... I worked on preschool toys. So I've, I've kind of dabbled in every kind of toy you can think of, like right. die-cast cars, preschool, action figures, right. and role play. And we've even, we even did a few um, plush and dolls at Toy Biz as well. I mean, so why don't you amazing. actually explain what Toy Biz was? So toy, yeah. toy Biz was a toy yeah. company, yeah. but it was a small, small company. And when I was leaving Matchbox, I had the opportunity to go with Tyco, who was buying them, or Toy Biz. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of a get it done person. I like to just, you know, dig in and get it done. And I want to make a difference. Tyco was this big company that you could get lost in at that point in my life. And um, I just really wanted to make a difference. And I felt like I could do it at Toy Biz. So when I came, it was small. Um, my boss was a woman, Amber Trone. Mm-hmm. Back then, Chris Von Carroll was also part of the team. So him and I were kind of here at the, we started together. And literally, we would be running from conference room to conference room with sculptors or people who are doing control art or people who are doing packaging. And we'd mm-hmm. have them in all the rooms and running around and not to mention running back and forth to Marvel right. multiple times a day with, you know, back then sculpture was very physical. It wasn't digital. When you right. talk about the changes between the 90s and today, I'd have clays. I would get, you know, waxes. I would get final sculpts that are molded in hard resin. And I'd be running back and forth to Marvel with different versions of a sculpture multiple times a day to get their approval and their feedback on those figures. And retail would take product whenever you had it ready. That was also brilliant back then. It was mm-hmm. like, whenever you have it ready, we'll take it. That's now today today is very structured it's very you know they have set dates you know certain timing when you have to develop your product to if you don't deliver it by that date you don't get on shelf but back then it was like whenever you get the next x-men assortment done we'll take it that was my big thing when i started at toy biz the saban show started x-men was huge i think there was either over 70 or 100 episodes of that show. And yeah. I watched it. It was a soap opera for me. That was my intro into Marvel Comics. Because when I was a little girl, I read comics. I spent my allowance on comics. My parents were always on the road, yeah. taking us somewhere. But I read Archie and Jughead, yep. you know, uh, Richie Rich. Now, yep. I read comics. We had the same but I have to, to, to Yeah, the X-Comics. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, yeah. X-Men was a soap opera. Yeah. I, I mean, when... I learned that Wolverine and Cyclops were in love with Jean Grey together, and it was such that love triangle. And then Cyclops and Jean Grey had a baby that had some sort of technovirus and had to ship the baby to the future, and then he came back a grown man older than them. I was just blown away. I was like, how do you follow? This is great. This is great. What's the next story? I need to hear it all. The longest soap opera in existence. Yes. Oh, my God. Are all Marvel comic stories. Yes. Yes. And, you know... One of the other things that I'm really proud of at that time in the 90s is that action figures for that time were done as pretty formulaic. Like they called the form before you sculpted over it a buck, Mm. right? So all of them had that, you know, arms down at the side, legs down at the sides. They were all the same size, same height, right? So what we did at Toy Biz with the help of a a sculptor that we were working with, Steve Kiewis at the time, is we decided to do scale for height and shape at a five inch scale I think we started with and it 
set the industry on fire and like everybody was just a buzz about it because all of a sudden you had Wolverine and he was shorter and he was stockier and you know wow. you had yeah. you know Cyclops who was taller and you had the Hulk who was much taller and broader right. and bigger and everybody wasn't done at that same height and right. weight and you know same pose right they were all done differently and unique to what the true as close to their true yeah, form factor. The beginning of be. body diversity. Like yeah, it really was. It really for yeah. action figures it was. And yeah. it was it was such an amazing, you know, feat to break that mold, you know. So it was really great for us. What have been like the biggest strides, the biggest differences in where things were to where things are within the toy business? You know, so much has changed. I mean, companies come and go. I yeah. mean, that, the toy business is a very volatile business, right? Yeah. You have, you know, in the 90s, there were so many other toy companies that I can name that don't exist anymore, like Coleco or LJN, um, Buddy L. I mean, they're, they're gone, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So through the years, you'll have companies that rise to the top and then those that'll go away, right? right? So there are always those little companies who become mid-sized companies who maybe don't make it or they make it, right? right? So... It is that type of business, so you're always trying to find the next big hit, right? right? For us at Toy Biz, we had a great property in Marvel. It wasn't the only properties we did at Toy Biz. We did others as well, but Marvel was our main focus, Mm -hmm. right? And we just wanted to make sure that we were always innovative and different, right? right? And something that other toy companies would throw on the table and say, how did they do that? Right. And come to find out later on after we were no longer toy biz anymore, that is exactly what happened. And that was our goal. And we were so proud of that, you know, because it would be throwing Hulk hands, you know, on the table and and nobody has been able to match what we did with Hulk hands. The original Hulk hands to me are still the best. And this was Alan's idea too, Alan Fine's idea, who was our CEO of Toy Biz, and yeah. as you know, he's been our chief marketing officer mm-hmm. on studio, on our TV shows, and um, he's a brilliant man. So he would be proud to know that those Hulk hands are still the best that were ever done because okay. they were you, I mean, they were empowering. You put those on, they were about this big, yeah. and they were made out of foam, and you felt like you were the Hulk when you put those things on, and each one of them had a sound chip and a motion chip, and when you would move your hands, it would, like, you'd get the punches and, yeah. you know, the Hulk smash sound effects and stuff. So That's it was, so fun. It really was. I mean, you know, <laughs> but the most rewarding thing ever is when you walk into a toy store and you walk down the aisle and you see a child pick your toy off that shelf mm-hmm. and leave with it and, and want to get it. And lots of times I've helped negotiate for them with their parents so that they walk out of the <laughs> store with their toy. That's a great toy. I have no, I have no buy-in in this at all. You should really definitely cool. make your parents buy that toy. <laughs> My son loves it. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Alan always pushed us to do more. I think we really, at Toy Biz, were... If anybody talked about us, they they would say we were innovative and that our price value was something that no one can meet. It was pretty incredible. When you were talking about the Hulk hands, I just thought like that was the origins of this new line that Hasbro has now because it's not just that. It's there's it's all role play, there's, right? Yeah, yeah. This is they have kids role play with features. That's their yeah. rights. Yeah. So anything with features, so they'll do, you know, the Spider Man silly string web blaster, something that we started back in nineteen ninety four. That has tested time and it's still out there. It's still the best web shooter 
that you could ever get for Spider-Man because silly string's the best way to simulate. Yeah, it really webs, is. Right? Just don't use it inside. Right. Because it sticks to your ceiling, by the outside way. Outside only. Yes. I know. I outside. used to get yelled at yes. yeah. for that. Well, a lot of people mistake it for like Halloween foam yeah. and they think it's okay to spray on your doors it's not the same formula not okay no (laughs) no but it's no it's great i like that we're moving into role play also as like you know a 30 something year old woman i enjoy it myself i'm just thinking about like the amount of people we've had on this podcast that goes my entry into marvel is x-men is the x-men comics from the 90s right so that was your entry Mm -hmm. but you've watched and helped produce these toys that now adults who probably bought those x-men toys from the 90s what is it like to see like, this is your career. It's amazing. You mean, like, people that are working for me played with the toys I made? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the people that work with you are still what playing with the toys. Like? Like, what does growing well, up feel like? It's, it's, um, it's uh, surreal, to say the least. <laughs> um, it reminds me of some funny stories because they're my son's age, right? My son, when he was little, X-Men was wildly popular. He knew I was working on it. He was in second grade. And... He came home with a list of action figures from all his friends at school and said, Mommy, can you get these for my friends? Like, That's not the way it works, honey. You know, I, you know, Mommy doesn't just get free toys. But I wound up buying them some so, so that he wouldn't lose face that time. But he knew, knew not to do that. Yeah. 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 But I used to go to his school and do testing. Isn't that funny? I mean, wow. we, you, know, you know, the best thing That's is so to. Fun. Yeah. I mean, we used to go there and research product with kids at his school because there's nothing like it. Just getting their feedback and. That made him so proud, right? Yeah. I mean, to be able to walk with his, that's my mom, you know, yeah. she's showing you some new toy ideas. I mean, it was great. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about, I guess, the future, where you're yeah. excited for us to go without spoiling too much. But, you know, what you're working on currently and what are your favorite things? Oprah's favorite things. What are your favorite things? Well, I'll tell you that. One of my favorite things was Baby Groot. Yeah. I mean, that was so exciting to work on a character that appealed to all audiences, all genders, all races, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not often that a character that like that comes along, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like uh, our Yoda, yeah. so to speak, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, and we won Toy of the Year, by the way, this year. Right. Congratulations. With, with, yes, well, Hasbro yeah. did, but yeah. we had, you know, it was a, part definitely yeah. a team yeah. effort for their dancing group, which we were just so thrilled about. Yeah. Um, another favorite thing is we are working on um, audience expansion, right? How do mm-hmm. we take Marvel to other areas that we haven't really gone in? We have in small ways, right? But not in a big way. So, I mean, we're looking at expanding into girls, right? Girls love, Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know a lot about this because you are very instrumental in um, the content part of it. Um, and we have on um, a new brand that we're going to be creating in toys and apparel and home. Yeah. I mean, we're really going to, you know, do a really nice uh, product line around this. And it's it's really geared towards our female audience, our, our young girls, because young girls love our superheroes, yeah. right? And yes, they love Captain America. Yes, they love Spider-Man and Iron Man and they love all the characters. But we wanted to give something to them that was, you know, really kind of made for them and very diverse by the way mm-hmm. um and some characters that might be well known some characters not so well known but yeah. will be well known very soon with yeah the content release so and the fact that they're 
so diverse and they all are so very different really lends itself to almost like the you know what we love about x-men right yeah. i mean x-men worked so well because it was relatable and everybody you know has that awkward moment in school where there's something about you that you don't like that you think other people are going to notice and you know you have to get past that stage right or right. feel good of turn it into a positive somehow and i think like x-men is a good example of that and with this diverse group of characters who are from all parts of our universe right girls will relate to different characters in different ways right, right. some will and um, I'm not going to go too deep. You can talk about the content if you want. Well, we've talked. So we're talking specifically about Marvel Rising, yes. if you guys didn't catch on. But we've got the big feature coming out. But Joanne's team has been really supportive of making sure that we really build upon it and build like a full program to support it because that's the end game is to make sure that people can really interact with these characters in a tangible way. And you guys know the full cast with Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl and America Chavez and Patriot and Quake and Sp- Spider Gwen. Oh my God. We've got a lot of characters. Yes. I know. I'm excited. We've it's got just a good, so yeah. amazing. It's For- really, really amazing. And like what I'm seeing so far, what's being developed with Joanne's team is just. Really cool. And I can't wait to start talking about it for real. I know. Me too. <laughs> Me too. We'll have to bring like, you back to get to talk we, about the whole process yeah, there. We have a great group of licensees yeah. uh, working on the product. And, and you've seen some of it. And yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. We're really excited about it. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm really excited about yes. because... When it launches later on, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll be really happy to see it out there. I think I'm being told by my uh, audio producer to wrap it up. But I do want to say that as someone who's been working here for 12 years, you were always the one woman up at the top that I'd be like, oh, look, there's women here. I can work here forever. You know, for those out there who may not know that there are women in all departments here at Marvel, there are. Yeah, there are. And you've been working so hard and it's. 25 years that's amazing and and in powerful positions like jo- I had Joanna's- great mentors yeah. I have to tell you I mean seriously you know I learned my best lessons from them mm-hmm. and other things that I learned were just things that I still use today you know with with my team there is no I in team there you know that is an old saying but is so true and I think what works so well at Marvel is teamwork Mm-hmm. You know, nobody does anything on their own and the best efforts and the best product and the best content comes from collaboration mm-hmm. and teamwork. So, you know, I will say that I will treasure that forever. Everything that I learned through the years here. I have actually one last question. This is sort of a macro question about being a woman in sort of a male dominated industry and coming up through the ranks and I think this is a feeling that like many people have. I don't think it's woman specific, but it happens more often probably with women. But when you encounter uncertainty or when you're in a situation when you're like, oh, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't want people to know, right? Like, cause yeah. you're just kind of, you got to prove yourself. Yeah. How did you deal with that? I called a friend. You know, it's like the game show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used my friend phone card. A friend. <laughs> <laughs> I phoned a friend in the industry. Listen, when I came to Toy Biz, okay, I came as a director of product development. And there were certain things that I never worked on before. And I was passionate and I knew I could do it. Right. And, you know, I had lots of years in toys, but there are still things that you are learning every day. So, you know, when I, when I would come up against an obstacle like that, and I wanted to look like I was, you know, smarter than I am. I would call a friend and say, "How do you do this? How 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 would you recommend I go about getting this done?" And you know, 
they would give me great advice. That's great. So I feel like the lesson is don't be afraid to ask for help. It absolutely is. Don't be afraid to ask for help internally or externally. Because I honestly, if I would have went to some people internally, I'm sure they would have been helped glad to share that with me too it's just when you're starting a new job a lot of times you're like well I don't want them to know I don't know how to do that right so you're always like you know how do you do it then so don't be afraid to reach outside too I mean it's it's better to reach out and ask how to do something right than to go about it and waste the company's money and their time on doing it the wrong way and then have to start all over again and just pretend you know what you're doing right back it up somehow But this is amazing. I'm so happy that we finally got the chance to sit down and talk. I'm sure there'll be more as we sort of talk about rising in the future. Yes, we want to bring you back so you can talk a little bit about the process of yeah, like actually, how does product. how does something get made? I'd love to hear that, and I'm yeah. sure the fans at home would also love to hear that. Yeah, so please, please yeah. do come back. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. Awesome, it's been really fun. I really appreciate that you guys finally wrote me into doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks again for Joanne for joining us. I'm so happy that the many years and many puzzle pieces finally came together for us to sit down and and talk to her. And uh, hopefully there are more conversations in the future about some exciting stuff. And then go when if you guys ever see Joanne at like a Comic-Con or something, she's there. She's everywhere. Just go up to her and be like, I heard your podcast on the women of Marvel because... One, she'll be excited, and she'll be like, oh, my God, Sun and Judy are actually doing work. And then two, (laughs) maybe we'll get some free toys out of it. Hey, guys, don't go yet. We actually got some exciting news that just dropped today. To get to that point, we're really excited because we have someone special joining us. Yes, we have Alana Smith. Hello. Yay. (laughs) Alana Smith is assistant editor in the Avengers office, technically. Mm -hmm. We just call it the Brevoort office because it's just all of the things. It's all of the things, Right? Like you guys Many, many books. You're basically editing all of the comics that Mm -hmm. the other, whatever, 10 editors are not. Yes. Yeah. We, We get all the other stuff. Yeah. So. Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Jessica Jones, like Defenders, all that business. So you have all the cool people. Yes. (laughs) So you're the coolest. Yes, basically. (laughs) Well, the big news that dropped today is, and I'll let you talk about it. Okay, it is that the Fantastic Four are coming back. We did it. We did it. I they can't thought believe we it. never would, but we did it. Yeah. So who's uh, the team? So the team is Dan Slott, who is coming off his incredibly long Spider-Man run, <laughs> and Sarah Pakelli, who is coming off her incredibly long other Spider-Man run. So, you know, Dan is a huge Fantastic Four nerd, like, loves the heck out of those guys, really, really excited to write it and get into a very accessible story for, you know, new FF readers, but there's also a billion Easter eggs for people who have read it forever. Like, there's been so many iterations of the team and so many people who have called themselves members of the FF, and you'll see almost all of them uh, by the end of the first arc. So it's really, it's a love letter to what the Fantastic Four has been, but it's also inviting you into a whole new story with, with a bunch of bold new choices and you know, exciting developments. And uh, a whole new look with Sara. I'm yeah. really, I can't wait to see what Sara's yeah. designs are going to yeah, look like. They're that really good. That teaser them. image. They're really good. <laughs> that teaser yeah, image is beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. So it's very pretty. Um, her designs look fantastic. Huh. I can't. I've been running into that more and more with emails where I'm like, I can't do it. It's a pun. And then I have to rephrase my whole email. Sarah is 
phenomenal. You know, um, anyone in that Bendis camp that came up with him is naturally really good at character acting and, and storytelling. And so I think she's going to bring a lot of the empathy to the characters and personality. And it's just going to be a really slick book. And I think people are going to really like it. So I like, you're like struggling not to use fantastic. I know. Like, oh, I, can't. <laughs> I, see, but I can't. Cause then everyone's going to be listening. You go, oh, she said fantastic, <laughs> but it's fantastic. <laughs> but it is. Yes. Someone give her a thesaurus. <laughs> what I want. So yeah, but, but we're really excited to have her on it. So I, hopefully people are going to be excited about this and mm-hmm. you know, we try to plot things out in a way that really matters to us. That's why we don't just, put out any books because we need to we mm-hmm. believe in like planning it out right mm-hmm. and I think it's in good hands in your guys's office yeah and between Tom and Dan Slott the two encyclopedias yes. of the Marvel Universe and who both love Fantastic Four very dearly yeah <laughs> I think this is going to be a really really interesting adventure mm-hmm. yeah I think so too like on my on my first day here I found on my desk like three giant omnibus versions of the original Fantastic Four run and Tom pushed them over to me and said, that's all you need to know about making comics in those. So I'm, I'm wow. sure he's, since we both oversaw the the destruction of them in Secret Wars, I'm sure he's very excited to have them back as well. Well, so. speaking of, where have the Fantastic Four been? So at the end of Secret Wars, for people who have read it a ways back now, basically at the end of Secret Wars, the FF came together to defeat Doom, who had taken over Battleworld and was running it like a god. And... For reasons that we have not fully explained yet, but will, Sue and Reed and the kids, as well as some of the Future Foundation members, basically stayed behind to recreate the universe along with the Molecule Man. So after it was all destroyed in Secret Wars, they were the ones who put it back together and started spinning out new multiverses and traveling different planes and just... So basically they've been exploring and up to other things that we don't know about yet. And meanwhile, Ben and Johnny were left on Earth and again, for reasons that are coming up but haven't been revealed yet. And to their knowledge, the rest of their family was lost, saving the world from some calamity. And no one fully understands what that means or what happened to them, you know, much like the readers. The readers know a little more than the characters do even. So, you know, they're not sure if their family is dead. They're not sure if they're out there and they can look at them. We have Marvel 2 and 1 going right now, which is about uh, Ben and Johnny basically looking to see if they're out there, um, even though Ben kind of knows they probably aren't. So this will really be the first time since the end of Secret Wars that we'll see them reunited. Yeah, and if you want to read more about Secret Wars, it's available on all of the different ways to get Marvel mm-hmm. comics on the Marvel Unlimited app. I believe it should be up there already. It must it's be been, by now. That was like a few <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And of course, you can get it as a trade on um, at Amazon. Comic shops all over the country. And they made a very um, pretty hardcover, which yes. I think is still available. Yes. It's very gorgeous. I really enjoyed Secret yeah. Wars by um, it was fun to work Jonathan Hickman. It was yeah. Yeah, super great. Mm-hmm. Felt very big and bombastic and mm-hmm. um, it's a good sort of yeah. reintroduction yeah. to the Fantastic Four. And I think also, like in terms of other stuff to read, I would keep an eye out for the Marvel 2-in-1 annual. It's not required reading for Fantastic Four, but you, you want to pick but it up. But it's fun. You should pick it up. Yeah. Like, it will tell you important things yeah. that you don't need to know, but you probably want to. Yeah. That's the fun of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. so when's it coming out? We've got Fantastic Four coming out in? August. August. August, yes. Well, Alana, thanks for joining us and for mm-hmm. giving us that 
tidbit about yeah. fantastic that fantastic that ex- exciting tidbit. fantastic Ooh. news Get it? this is terrible um, we should use fantastic every other word moving forward <laughs> we will we, know, we now will once you're thinking about it it's hard not to like it just happens it's naturally such, and such it's... a fantastic word yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is all we've got yeah that's actually the end end yes the end of this podcast oh I totally forgot C2E2 is a thing that's happening ooh I'm not gonna be there but you guys will and I'm gonna be there with an amazing group of panelists, including Jen Bartel and Rochelle Rosenberg. And we're going to talk about coloring and all that stuff. And that reminds me, I need to go make a panel presentation. I will miss you guys there. I'm going to be there in spirit. Yeah. But guys, if you see me or Lorraine at the con, just come up to us, say hi. We'd love to get a selfie with you. Maybe we can post it on our Woman of Marvel Instagram. And also stay tuned to The Woman of Marvel because we're going to be posting stuff throughout the weekend. If you want to know more, um, you can always check out C2E2.com. So that's it. I'm excited. It's a thing. What's happening? I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to eat lots of food. The end. Deep dish pizza. It's casserole. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.